Miguel Flores Balboa, seis años de edad, presente. Alejandro Párez de la Cruz, 14 years old. Presente. Edgar Pulido Baldón, 8 years old. Presente. Agustin Chavez Baldeon, 64 years old. Presente. Aquilino Pares Baez, 64 years old. Presente Nestor Gamboa Polito, twenty nine years old. Presente Cornelio Quispe Baldeon. 35 years old Presente Presente Amos 5.24 But let justice roll down like, down like waters and righteousness like ever-flowing streams. Good morning, everyone. Just as Jesus stood alongside the oppressed, he has called us to stand by Jesus and the oppressed. What you have just witnessed is the procession that takes place in the SOA Watch in Fort Benning, Georgia. The SOA is the School of America that trains Latin American soldiers in military tactics and techniques, and after they graduate, they go back to Latin America and end up becoming either dictators or human rights violators. The purpose of the SOA Watch is to close down the SOA in order for Latin America to be free from soldiers trained in the United States. Now we're gonna have Emily leading the hymns. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Can we have the men hum on this pitch? Mm. You can go up an octave if you want to. Mm. Great. Okay, you can stop. This is the plan. <laughs> We're going to have the men hum on that pitch for the first verse as the women sing the melody in unison. And please turn to 30 in your green book, sorry. Anyway, first verse. We're going to have the men hum on that pitch as the women sing in unison. 
Second verse, the men will join the women in unison. Third verse, on, sing whatever part you like. Okay, so here we go again, men. Jesus Christ is waiting, waiting in the streets. No one is his neighbor, all alone he eats. Listen, Lord Jesus, I am lonely too. Make me friend or stranger, fit to wait on you. Men, join us. Jesus Christ is raging, raging in the streets, where injustice spirals and real hope retreats. Listen, Lord Jesus, I am angry too. In the kingdom's causes, let me rage with you. Jesus Christ is healing, Now we will watch a video of Father Ray speaking. Father Roy is a Catholic priest who founded the SOA Watch in the 1970s. He has been a human rights activist since then, and by crossing the fence, he has been arrested a few times. Thank you. all of these countries whose soldiers were here. Your presence here, I must say, is just so important. You keep our hope strong. As we know, we're not going away. We're keeping our hands on the plow, our eyes on the prize. Our struggle is connected to the struggles of so many who have been struggling for justice equality, dignity for many years, for centuries, generations. Our struggle is a part of their struggle. It's all about solidaridad. And we're happy to report to you that there are glimmers of hope, real hope in our movement. As you know, six we visited, delegations have visited 
over 15 countries over the last few years. We've met with six presidents, defense ministers, indigenous leaders, university leaders. And we're happy to report, as you know, that six of these countries, just two over this last year, have pulled out. I just want to read with you just a couple months ago, we met with President Daniel Ortega, who really expressed what we have heard from other presidents and indigenous leaders and people in all of these countries we have visited. He said this, this is Daniel Ortega's words, the president of Nicaragua. All the countries of Latin America have been victims of the graduates of the School of the Americas. The SOA is a symbol of death, a symbol of terror. Nicaragua will no longer send troops to the SOA. This is the least we can do. We have been its victims. And one last thing, just this past Tuesday, with Congressman Jim McGovern, who's such a close ally of our movement, a longtime friend, who's been working for a year to get us a meeting at the White House, it finally happened. And um, seven of us met with President Obama's deputy foreign affairs advisor, Dennis McDonough. And there were such powerful voices at that meeting. And I just want to end with the words of Adriana Bartol from Guatemala, who was present, who spoke right after Jim McGovern, who just said to Dennis McDonough to bring the message to President Obama. And the words of Adriana speaking for her people in Guatemala, she said, my father and three of my loved ones of my family, siblings, were disappeared. And those responsible were trained at this school of the Americas. And she said, in closing, your children, she said, your children in the United States is not more important than our children in Guatemala and all of these other countries. And a glimmer of hope came when Dennis McDonough said, I agree with you, Adriana. I have three children. And we're just hoping that this meeting, our presence here today, our going to Washington in April, what's going to happen tomorrow, this great spirit of solidarity, that somehow we will just keep going, moving ahead, holding on to our hope and to our joy. Thank you. Yes. This video was filmed by the group of 40 students that went to the SOA. It just, it just happened last November. And now we'll call us to sing once again, how can we be silent and sing the journey. All right, you can't sing this song sitting down, so let's stand. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to move to the piano, so you're all going to follow Brisa. But when we get to the very last chorus, we're going to do it in a round. And I am going to stand up from the piano and tell you how to do that. So just follow me, and we'll be fine. And this section right here, we're going to split you in two. I'm warning you ahead of time.
Good morning, my name is Andrea Moja and I'm a junior social work and psychology double major. I was born in Colombia and I lived in Ecuador for 10 years. Today I will be speaking about the effects that US military aid has in Colombia. February 21st, 2005, San Jose de Apartado Peace Community in Urabá, Colombia. Two families, eight members, including three young children, are murdered 
Witnesses identify the killers as members of the Colombian army. Under the command of Hector Jaime Fandino Rincón, 1976 graduate of the School of the Americas. This is one of the many cases that have happened in our South American countries in which SOA graduates have committed human rights abuses. Colombia has received over $7 billion in US military aid in the past 10 years. This is having a negative effect on Colombians because this money supports units that violate human rights. The Fellowship of Reconciliation filed a report that said there were around 3,000 extrajudicial killings, which are civilian murders, committed by the Colombian Armed Forces since 2002. Once again, that's 3,000 human lives. If U.S. assistance were having a positive effect on the human rights conduct of assisted units, we would see lower numbers of reported extrajudicial killings. However, this is not the case. The number of killings increased an average of 56%. Units committed more extrajudicial killings during and after the highest levels of U.S. assistance. According to the U.S. Department of State, Colombia is the country in which the application of the Leahy Law has been the most rigorous. This law was created in 1997. It prohibits assistance to any foreign security force unit if there is cre credible evidence that the unit has committed human rights violations. If this law were truly being implemented, my mother and father in Ecuador would not be receiving more than 200 refugee Colombian families each year that have had to leave Colombia because of threats by armed groups, including the Colombian military. Marta, a member of our church in Ecuador, had to leave Colombia with her husband and three young children because she filed a lawsuit against the Colombian army for the death, death of her two younger brothers. She demanded to know where they had left their dead bodies so that she could give them a proper burial. The army told her they, were, they had thrown them away in the river, but she never found them. If the Leahy law were truly being implemented, it would require the suspension of assistance to nearly all army fixed brigades. Colombian military units are responsible for many hundreds of executions of civilians, with impunity for more than 98% of these killings. If Colombia represents the most rigorous application of the Leahy law, what can be expected elsewhere? Any evaluation of military assistance should not be limited to whether or not it complies with this law. It should consider the broader context of U.S. human rights goals and obligations. Assistance should be regularly evaluated for its human rights impact. It is important that the U.S. Congress and Department of State begin taking action to make sure U.S. tax dollars don't support military units that commit executions in Colombia. I am taking social welfare and policy two this year where we learn to be empowered as citizens, as individuals, to advocate for the well-being of those that are oppressed. The first step in the advocacy plan is engagement, where you spend your time and energy doing research to be educated on the topic. Then you can write your senators, congressmen and women, and fax Secretary Clinton a letter stating that you do not agree with sending US military aid to Colombia. I'm Emily Hedrick, and I'm a senior. And I was not sure what to think at first of the idea of attending the SOA protest. 
I was not your typical protest participant. You see, I have an ambivalent relationship with the idea of protest. Attending Goshen made the whole idea a little more plausible to me. But I didn't grow up in an area where protesting was considered part of one's Christian commitment. In fact, I had heard plenty of stories about people who were so obsessed with social justice that they became bitter and cynical rather than more Christ-like. And getting politics involved with faith, is that really a good idea? Yet something nagged at me to go. It could be the fact that I was being offered to use the experience in place of a research paper for my prophets class. It could be that I had spent last spring semester in Guatemala and Mexico, and attending the SOA protest offered me one way to bring that experience back to the States. It could be that I believed that the picture of protest I had in my head was not adequately informed. In fact, it was probably all of these things that prompted me to go. So I showed up, skeptical, yet hopeful that I might acquire a better perspective on what protesting is about. I'm thankful that I received what I had hoped for, though it did not come in a way I expected it. I used to think that protest was a group's effort to change something they considered unjust. And while this is somewhat true, I realized on our trip to Georgia that protesting is just as much about maintaining a person's drive toward seeking justice and peace as it is about inciting change. But first, a little background from my Hebrew prophets class to explain what I mean. In our class, we encountered Walter Brueggemann's idea of royal consciousness. Often those in power, those who are privileged, live in a state of numbness to the pain that others experience to put them in that privileged state. In fact, we need to be numb to support this imperial system. In the words of Brueggemann, passion as the capacity and readiness to care to suffer, to die, and to feel is the enemy of imperial reality. Because what we are passionate about, what we feel, these things drive us toward change. Touching the anguish within the midst of a lifestyle is key to both effective prophecy and effective protest. So how do we get in touch with that anguish? Symbols. So often we put our faith in the idea that communication of concepts will create change, but Concepts have limits. Concepts can't make me cry, but symbols, stories, music, these things can move me to tears and also to action. As Christians, we have a prophetic legacy of emotionally inspired symbols. I can think of many examples from the Hebrew scriptures. The prophetic words we have compiled in the Bible are filled with poetic symbolism and accounts of symbolic actions as well. From describing the Israelites as a foolish child to actually walking through the streets weeping in mourning garments while everyone else goes about their everyday business, we have countless examples from our legacy. Jesus also acted as a prophetic figure who expressed emotion through symbol many times. One classic is, example is his moment of anger upon seeing the injustice of a temple system that exploited the poor. His emotional turning of the tables was not only a temporary inconvenience for the money changers, but a symbolic action of the overturning of an unjust system. But what about just before he did that, as he entered Jerusalem on a donkey, a symbol of peace, rather than a horse, the symbol of military strength, weeping over a city that would not accept the peace God could offer. His words recorded in Luke's gospel mimic those of many prophets before him. 
One only has to read the Gospels to find many stories of both symbolism and emotion within Jesus' ministry. Like Jesus, and like the prophets before him, we as Christians are called to emotional, prophetic symbolism. And that is what I experienced during the protest at SOA. I was unaware before I attended the protest that I had many unexpressed emotions from my past spring semester in Guatemala and Mexico. The relationships I created and the awareness I gained of the injustices the United States has committed in both Guatemala and Mexico did not leave me unaffected. But I didn't know what to do with my guilt and my anger. I had no appropriate outlet in which to express them. So when I returned home to the empire, I numbed myself to those emotions. Being able to take a cross with the name, age, and location of a person who died, being able to sing presente, acknowledging that this human being and many others who met a similar fate did not go unnoticed, being able to take that cross and stick it in the fence of the School of the Americas as a reminder that our choices have consequences that I cannot bear to just let slip away. This was something that I needed. It helped me get back in touch with the fact that just a year ago, I sat with my Guatemalan host family and watched the inauguration of the current president of Guatemala, a man trained at the School of the Americas. And I am afraid for my friends. I am angry that the country I live in would put them in that kind of danger, and I feel guilty because I don't know what to do about it. My ideas about protest changed because of my experience in Georgia. Now I believe that protesting or some act of symbolic ritual that gives us an outlet for the emotions we experience because of injustice is an essential part of maintaining spiritual integrity. I think an effective protest is something that allows us to express our grief and our guilt because when we do not have outlets in which to express these emotions, we have no choice but to become numb to them. I still don't believe that going to a protest is a means with which to change everything. Change comes in smaller actions, whether through conversation, through letters, other courses of more extreme action, or simply with time. But it seemed, at least in this instance, that the protest was something that kept us from becoming numb and provided us with enough feeling to continue pursuing justice, even if we didn't know how. If only for that, I think going to the protest was worth it. Hi, my name is Eamon. I'm a freshman Bible major. Um, I'm a third year SLA protester, a third generation SLA protester. My grandmother went as a veteran for peace. Um, my mother went as a Catholic worker and I went as a compassionate peacemaker of Goshen College. I grew up in a Catholic worker community uh, that is a group of folks who are Catholic, who believe in social justice principles, uh, living in voluntary poverty, and in community. Community is not limited to the folks living in the house, but to the greater presence around us. I was not just Amen, who lived at St. Martin de Porras House. I was Amen that lived at 26 Clark Street in Hartford. I was Amen that went to Hartford Public Schools. I was Amen that had an obligation to my fellow man. It was not always easy. It was not something that could be done every day without a tear, without a groan, without a sigh. The only way that I was able to do that was alongside the members of that greater community. Christ calls us to live in community. 
In Colossians, Colossians 3.12, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other also, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We need to do this. We need to feel that compassion, not just for issues abroad, not just for the suffering abroad, but for the suffering here, for the oppression here. The only way to do this is by working together. When I was on SOA, I found what I came to Goshen for. For me, compassionate peacemakers isn't just a joke we throw around. For me, compassionate peacemakers wasn't just an idea. It was something I strive to achieve. However, it cannot be achieved in fits and bursts. It is a constant presence. I believe firmly that we can do work every day. And I believe that to do that, we need to function as a community. When we read the names of those that were killed by the SOA and we say presente, it's not just they're accounted for. They are here and they are a source of energy and of strength to keep on pushing, to keep on enduring, to keep on working. And that is what SOA meant for me. As Eamon said, it's important not just to care about people across the world from us, but also our own community, the people that we go to school with, the people that we walk by every day and just kind of look away instead of smiling and saying hi. In the spirit of this, we've created a pledge about intentionality within your own community, loving the neighbor right next door to you, as well as the neighbor across the world. Our pledge reads, I pledge to recognize, acknowledge the presence of, and greet my fellow brother and sister by their first name when I encounter them in our community, and take responsibility for the ways my actions affect my community. I will value the pain of others in my community and stand with them in solidarity. As we begin our last song, we invite you to come up, take a pledge, write your name, and take it with you. Put it somewhere where you'll see it, and try to practice this every day. Thank you. Before we start this, I'll give you a little bit of an idea of what we're gonna be doing. Um, I will be reading a couple things from this, which is the SOA watch um, program that they used there. And this is called the No Moss, No More Litany. And you'll kinda catch on as we do it, um, but we invite you all to join in with us. Um, Basically, I will be reading a little section and then we'll all come together and sing. And then um, after that, there'll be a little benediction. So, um, and during this time, please feel free, come up and get a pledge. All right. All right, well, this next song is called No Mas, No More, all right? It's pretty self-explanatory, no? Um, and it's uh, written under the context of uh, uh, during uh, Nicaragua, the Contra War in the 80s, right? So it, it calls for uh, solidarity to stop these uh, dirty wars, these uh, dirty systems of uh, oppression. 
And I think it was very important to, um, even though this is a, a pretty uh, Christian-oriented uh, <coughs> speech, right? That we're, or whatever we're having right now. It was important to see that uh, in the protest, all those uh, religious, uh, um, whatever, cultural background, all the things were, uh, uh, didn't really matter. What really mattered was the solidarity that brothers and sisters have between each other. No más, no more shout the hills of Salvador Echo the voices of the world We cry out no más, no more No más, no more We must stop the dirty wars Compañeros, compañeras We cry out no más, no more Colombia has sent more troops to the SOA WINSEC than any other country Since 2002 alone over 35,000 people have been killed, and the number of internally displaced has risen to around 6 million people. Over 10,000 Colombian soldiers have been trained at the School of the Assassins and linked to many assassinations and disappearances. Reports show that 30 of the 33 Colombian Army Brigade commanders were trained at the SOA. With increased extrajudicial executions in areas under SOA-trained commanders' control, we cry out. No mas, no more, shout the hills of Salvador. Echo the voices of the world. We cry out, no mas, no more, no mas, no more. We must stop the dirty wars. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. In Nicaragua, over 4,000 soldiers were trained at the School of the Assassins for Somoza's National Guard death squads. For all the victims that died during the Somoza dictatorship, to all the student protesters, the journalists, the campesinos that were killed during that 45 years of role, and to all the families that fought for a better Nicaragua, we cry out. No más, no more, shout the hills of Salvador Echo the voices of the world, we cry out No más, no more, no más, no more We must stop the dirty wars Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out No más, no more In places all over the world, Goshen included where people are oppressed because of their citizenship status, their sexual orientation, their religious beliefs or lack thereof, for the people who are bullied, laughed at, or unwanted, for all of those who speak a different language or who come from the wrong side of the tracks. We cry out. No mas, no more, shout the hills of Salvador. Echo the voices of the world. We cry out, no mas, no more. No mas, no more, we must stop the dirty wars. Compañeros, compañeras, we cry out. No mas, no more. No mas. No more shout the hills of Salvador Echo the voices of the world We cry out no mas, no more 
no más, no more, we must stop the dirty wars, compañeros, compañeras, we cry out, no más, no more. Well, on behalf of PAX and SRC, um, we would like to thank all of you for coming to this chapel this morning and hearing about our experience. Um, of course, we hope that the school does get closed down before the protest has to happen again in November, um, but I guess we'll be realistic. And we would like to invite you now all to come with us to Georgia next November to stand um, at the gates of Fort Benning and to hear the stories of the people that share and to let, you, let, let it move you like it moved all of us. Um, <clears throat> we hope that this sparked your peacemaking spirit and if it did, we would like to invite you to come to the Intercollegiate Peace Fellowship, um, the ICPF, which is coming up in February. It's at Bluffton, so it's really close this year. Um, today is the early bird deadline, so if you still sign up today, it's only $35, and that would be your only fee for the whole weekend. Um, PAX and PJCS are gonna pay for the transportation and stuff when we're there. Um, so you can check the communicator for the link to sign up, um, or for more information, you can come talk to me. And also we wanna invite you to uh, attend to some of the PAX Club meetings, SRC meetings, we show documentaries, we talk about a lot of issues, and if you wanna get involved, uh, let us know, you know? And if there's anything that you're really passionate about that you want to inform everybody else here about, um, feel free to talk to one of us and we'll try to get it, uh, get a program going for you. But we would like to thank you all again and go in peace.